you this evening. Want to remind you all, in about 15 minutes, our great interviews start with the great Greg Orman. That's right, Greg Orman, who covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the athletics, will be joining us at 9.15. Then 20 minutes later, oh, baby, I'm fired up. What a great show. We also have Dean Jensen, the father of Tampa Bay Buccaneers Center. Ryan Jensen will be joining us live. Oh, what a show. What a Wednesday night show. I am so fired up tonight. Oh, yeah. And we're going to talk a lot about the Buccaneers tonight, obviously, on this Frankly Speaking Bucks Wednesday night show. Want to remind all of you that are joining us right now. I see a lot of you joining us. We are on Crew Life tonight. That's correct. Crew Life. Do me a favor. It'll take you one second. I ask you all to please do me a big favor. Just hit the share button. It takes two seconds. Hit the share button. We got a tremendous show for you. And not only do I want you to get to see this unbelievable show we have planned for you tonight, but I want all your friends to be able to enjoy it too. So take one moment. Hit the share button, share it to your timeline, and let's break records tonight on Frankly Speaking Bucks. I see a lot of people joining us right now by the dozens, um, and if you're just joining us, I want to remind you we are on Crew Life tonight, we are also, um, you know, going to be having two great interviews, we're going to have Greg Orman in about 15 minutes, he covers the Buccaneers for the Athletic. And we're going to have the father of center of the Buccaneers, Ryan Jensen, Dean Jensen, is going to be joining us probably in about 25 minutes. So a great, great, great show for you tonight. Um, want to remind you all that if tomorrow you, you want to re-listen to this show, we will be on seven different platforms. We will be recording this tonight later on Spotify, Breaker, Anchor, Google, lots of ways to listen to, doesn't matter if you're at work, in the bathroom, whatever you like, you can watch our show. But before we get to Greg Orman in about 15 minutes, once again, for all of you that are joining us right now, we're about to talk a little bit about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before Greg gets on. Please share this to your timeline. Takes one second. Hit the share button. Let's get everybody involved. We have an interactive show. We'll be taking phone calls after our second interview tonight with Dean Jensen, the father of Senator Ryan Jensen of the Buccaneers. You'll be able to call in. The number is listed, and we'll give you that number again after the second interview. But I want to start the show out tonight, you know, and it's, you know, been pretty disturbing when you listen to some Buck fans or some people that don't know the Buccaneers as well as the fans that are listening to this show do. You know, they talk about the offensive line. How is that offensive line going to hold up? And I want to tell all you fans something out there right now. Our offensive line is a very, very, very solid offensive line. Listen to this. You got two of the best interior linemen in all of the NFL. And I mean all of the NFL. We got Ali Muppet and Ryan Jensen. Unbelievable. And that goes along with Alex Kappa, those three interior linemen. Last year, according to Pro Football Focus, the Buccaneers offensive line, believe it or not, Tampa Bay fans, was ranked 7th best in the league. 
That's right. Lucky seven, baby. They were voted best. And their interior linemen are terrific. I think you'll see Alex Kappa come along. But listen to this statistic, which is most impressive, especially if you used to follow an offensive line. The offensive line, the interior between Ali Mopet, Ryan Jensen, and Alex Kappa, out of 48 possible starts last year, they started 45 games. Unbelievable stamina, unbelievable health, any way you want to word it, that is incredible. Now, obviously, I think a little weakness on our exterior linemen, when you talk about last year you had DeMar Dotson, you had Donovan Smith. But remember something, Dotson is gone now. He's going to be taken over by the great Tristan Wirfs, which was our number one pick. And I really think, you know, Donovan Smith takes a lot of crap. And I'm going to say that right now. He really does. You know, I think he's been getting year in and year out. He's getting better and better and better. But um, I think if he could just cut down on his penalties this year and he can, you know, pass protect where he can give up, you know, I think the magic number that you look for from an offensive lineman is less than five sacks a year. It's going to be an unbelievable comeback year for Smith. That offensive line, I repeat, is not a weak offensive line. There was a lot of mistakes last year that were made, and I'm not going to sit here and bash Jameis Winston all night because that's not what we do here on Crew Life and Buccaneer on Wednesday here. We don't do that, but I want to let you know that a lot of mistakes that were avoidable mistakes where balls could get thrown away instead of getting sacks were blamed on the offensive linemen. But I'm telling you what, you take that interior line, the interior three with, um, with uh, Marpet, Jensen, and Kappa, it possibly is one of the best by far in the NFL. And I'm not making that up because I root for the Bucks. It is the darn truth. They are unbelievable at what they do. And I just told you the statistic about the stamina of those three. They don't miss games. And one quarterback, especially a Tom Brady, would love nothing more than to have his starting offensive line you can count on game in and game out. That is an incredible thing and an incredible amount of confidence for your quarterback when he knows your starting five is going to be out there every single game. So, you know, once again, we got a tough schedule. We, we open versus New Orleans. Then remember, we got four or five primetime games in a five-week period. So four out of five straight weeks, we are playing on primetime. So a lot of love for our Buccaneers this year, and well-deserved. Now, my only concern here, and it's something that we have not talked about much, and some of you found fans out there and listeners might have thought about this, but one of the things to remember is I'm a little worried, and I'll tell you what I'm worried about. Everybody talks about the offensive line or the cornerbacks, this and that, and this play and that play. But I got something else you might want to think about. Our coaching staff. No, 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 no. I'm very confident in our coaching staff. But 
you have to understand, we have an epidemic going on out there. COVID-19. Our head coach, Bruce Arians, is a cancer survivor. He is 67 years old. Tom Moore, our offensive consultant, is 81 years old. Um, our, okay? Our safeties coach, Nick Rapone, is 64. And our quarterback coach, Clyde Richard Christensen, is 64 years old. So we have a coaching staff that is a lot older than a lot of the coaching staff. Yes, I know Bill Belichick is, uh, what, 68 years old. Pete Carroll is 68 years old. But we have a very old coaching staff, a very good coaching staff, but there has to be some concerns about the health of our coaching staff with this epidemic until they get it under control. And, you know, Bruce Arian, he's a warrior. You know, to go out there, he's going to fight for his team, he's going to give it everything he's got, but at the end of the day, they got to also make sure that this coaching staff's health and safety is foremost as well. So nothing to scare you folks, but I, it, it is just something to think about it. And we're going to have Greg Orman in, on in about five minutes from The Athletic, who covers the Buccaneers. We'll ask him about that. What his thoughts are about some of those things with the coaching staff. Now, I want to remind you all, I see lots and lots and lots of people joining us. In about four minutes, we're going to have the great Greg Orman. We're going to probably have Greg on for about between 10 and 15 minutes. Then immediately following, maybe five minutes after, we're going to have the father of Tampa Bay Buccaneers Center, Ryan Jensen, Dad Dean Jensen join us live to talk about his son and football in general and what it's like to be a dad of an NFL player. So two great, great, great interviews coming up beginning in the next four minutes here. I do want to remind you there is a call-in number. After the final interview with Ryan Jen excuse me, with Dean Jensen, you will have the right to give us a call. Ask us questions. The number is 479-553-7008. You can join us on the Frankly Speaking Bucks hotline, which will happen after the second interview. Also want to remind you, there is a comment section here. If you are on Crew Life, um, go ahead and leave messages. I should be able to see them right now. I don't see any messages coming in. Just say hello. Let me know you're there. Let me know you're breathing. Also, I would like everybody from every single platform to please do me a favor. Hit the share button. Share this to your timeline. These next two interviews we're about to do is going to be one hell of an interview from both Greg Orman and from Dean Jensen. And your friends deserve to hear these great interviews just like you're going to enjoy these great interviews. want to welcome a lot of people from a lot of different groups on tonight. Um, want to re welcome Rob from Crew Life on. Rob from Crew Life. And I want to remind you all that the great Crew Life also holds another Buccaneer show. We are on Wednesday nights. But the great coach, Marvin Bell, Bucks Talk with Coach Bell, is on every Sunday evening, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, exclusively 
to continue to go on crew life. And um, we love to have you. We love to have you join. If you're not a member yet, join. If you're listening right now on Frankly Speaking Sports, go ahead and join Crew Life as well. Um, want to welcome Dean from Colorado on the line. All right, so we got people all over the place. We're about a minute and a half away from Greg Orman coming on the line. He covers the Buccaneers for the Athletics. Everybody knows who Greg Orman is. So go ahead, grab a beverage, grab some popcorn, get excited. Wow, what a great Wednesday night. Get fired up, baby. That's what I am. Fired up. So we got about 30 seconds. I'm just looking at messages. Rob from Tampa, Dean from Colorado. We have a Jeff from Zandusky, Ohio. Welcome to the show. Love all the different people. Also, I want to let you know that I found out yesterday, now that we do these podcasts on Anchor FM as well, we have not just the United States listen to us, but we are now being heard, frankly speaking, Bucks, and I meant to tell Rob this, in six different countries right now besides the United States of America. So we're not only making our name known here, we're making our name known internationally as well. Let's go ahead and get my buddy on, the great Greg Orman. Bruce is 67, he's third oldest coach in the NFL. Um, 
you know, you mentioned Tom Moore, man, I think he's going to keep coaching through anything, but he's 81 years old. Yeah, these guys are at a greater risk if they were to get the virus um, than a lot of coaches that are, you know, 10, 20 years younger. Um, you know, Bruce made some comments to the Tampa Bay Times this week where he said he's probably going to coach with a, a mask and a shield. Uh, I think when he's doing team meetings, they might do him in the auditorium where he's up on the stage with a microphone that has a little bit more distance from his players just, just to help protect him a little bit more. I mean, I don't think he under any circumstances wouldn't be coaching, but I think he's got to be uh, mindful of, of trying to limit his risk and be as careful as possible, just just given his age and, and the health problems he's already dealt with. Now, obviously the big talk, you and I have talked about this before when you were on my show last time, was the you know big acquisitions of you know Brady and Gronk. But for a moment, let's forget about what they've done on the field. Let's forget about statistics, success, and all that. But more importantly than what they can do for us as a team on the field, them winning six Super Bowls and bringing that winning mentality into a young group of guys like the Buccaneers has to be an added plus to this team. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a whole change in the mindset. I mean, you have a franchise that hasn't been in the playoffs in 13 years, and you have a quarterback in Tom Brady who's known nothing but postseason success. I forget what it is, 11 straight division titles. Um, you know, I've been in the postseason, I think, all but one year when he's been healthy in his career. So I think what that does is it just changes the expectations. I mean, Gronkowski was there for the last three rings, so he certainly brings a lot of the same mentality, but it, it changes the expectation. This is a team that's been close to the playoffs but hasn't been there in a long time. Uh, I think had they just, you know, kind of stuck with what they had or, or made a lesser planning at quarterback, this still would have been a team that people thought could be a wild-card team, could be a playoff team. But in bringing in Tom Brady and bringing in someone who's so synonymous with winning football and playoff football, uh, I think it makes them, you know, taken makes them be taken much more seriously as a threat, not only to get to the playoffs, but to do some damage once they're in there. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Greg, but um, this is... Right now, this year and next year is a win at all cost now mentality for the next two years. Am I right? Yeah, I think mean, it's win at all costs. And they're not trading nine future draft picks to make this team better. But I do think they're certainly, you know, with a coach who's 67, with a starting quarterback who'll be 43 in August, uh, I do think there's an urgency and a, and a desire to get something done now. And if you don't get it done this fall, uh, I'm not sure what, they're, what you're waiting for. You know, so no, they, they want to win now. Um, if it means they make a move before the end of training camp or during the season to try and fill in holes or replace injuries, maybe you do that with more emphasis and more urgency because of, of what you have in the limited window to have success with that. Now, do you think there's a possibility, and you know how rumors fly around. I'm sure you heard Mozart wants a trade today. You heard about Freeman a couple of weeks ago. But when I think about what they possibly can use the most, do you think there's a chance they could go after Clay Matthews? Yeah, I mean, he's available. He'll be inexpensive. He's expressed an interest in playing for the Bucks. I mean, I think they definitely would do well to add a veteran-proven pass rusher so they have some depth that they can count on behind Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, right now, the next guy up would be Anthony Nelson, who has eight career tackles. And behind him is almost no NFL experience at all. So I do think um, they'll make a signing. I don't I mean, they don't have any relationship with Clay Matthews, and then usually they value familiarity in these things, especially as you're trying to teach guys uh, a defense in a hurry. Um, so that might make it more likely that they sign someone who's been in this defense and knows this defense and knows the 
Clay Matthews is, is one of the better guys available. He's 34, but he's still played at a high level where you could have him as a top reserve and, and he'd be able to contribute and help you. Now, Greg, we know about, obviously, the strength, especially offensively, that this team definitely has this year. What do you see, at, if you looked at the roster right now, based on what we have, what do you, look, what do you see as some of the challenges for this team beginning in 2020? I mean, obviously, the depth in some of the places we talked about, depth in the pass rush. Um, you know, I mean, I think they need to be a better overall run team. I don't think they've been a consistent run team. I think they'll be better this year, but I mean, they haven't been a consistent run team. They haven't had the offensive balance that you want to have. Uh, so those are things you have to work on. You know, the overall use of the secondary, they're putting a lot of trust on a lot of young guys. I mean, most everyone who's going to play in that secondary is 25 or younger. Um, so without a, a veteran in the group, without a kind of an experienced leader, you, you wonder how much that group can do. But they put a lot of trust and have a lot of faith in the young guys they have and the development they've seen from them, especially in the second half of last season. Now, you saw, and I know you've covered this already, um, you know, in some of the articles you have done, Tom Brady getting the guys together despite... Uh, not, and I say despite the recommendation of doing so from the NFL, what is your whole uh, opinion on these practices that Tom Brady has conducted? Yeah, I, mean, I don't really have an opinion one way or the other on it. I think it has uh, divided some fans. I think there's people that like it. I think it's a sign of how competitive and how committed he is to doing everything he can to get players on the same page and get these guys prepared. Um, you know, he had talked really early in this offseason when COVID was just getting going about the importance of, of not letting that stop them from, from learning and getting on the same page. So, I mean, him continuing to practice when the NFLPA has encouraged players not to just points to him following through on that. I mean, I think he probably recognizes there's a risk in that, but I think he'd much rather have the team prepared and take some chances medically than to get, you know, follow every rule to the letter of the law and be unprepared in September. I think there's other people that think he's being reckless and think he's not following rules that are designed for public safety. But again, he's got a lot of teammates that are out there with him. I think the Bucks have to be aware of it and have to, uh, if they don't approve it, they're at least looking the other way and letting him do it. This is this is the way he's going to do things to get his team ready. We are talking to Greg Orman. He covers the Bucks for the Athletics. Couple more questions before we let you run here, Greg. Um, you talked a little bit. You hit on the running game. Do you feel confident that Ronald Jones can have one of those breakout years this year with Tom Brady as the quarterback? I think it's certainly possible. I mean, he took a big step forward last year just to get to where he was after such a quiet rookie year. Um, You know, the fact they didn't sign any veteran veteran running backs, you know, speaks a lot for how they feel about him and the excitement they have. You know, I think they put a third-round draft pick into Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt, and he'll be, they uh, hope at least, um, a good upgrade on Peyton Barber. You know, probably a little bit more of a big play threat to mix in with him. Um, you know, I, I don't think they need to have another back. There's lots of people clamoring for Devontae Freeman and a bunch of others, but I think they're they're happy with what they have. Um, you know, they'll have Derek Gumbawale back as the third back, and they'll have either the seventh-round pick from Louisiana, Ray Calais, or, uh, or T.J. Logan as, as the fourth back and the final back. Now, my last question before...
before I let you run, um, Greg, and I can't think of a better person to ask their opinion on this. You covered something today I thought was very interesting. You were talking about the Ravens. Uh, I think it was either yesterday or today about them having a reduced amount of fans in the stands and things of that. And it got me thinking about Tampa Bay a little bit. Um, and, you know, Tampa Bay has lost a lot this year. They lost w the WWE, obviously. Some great events coming here. And as you know, and all our fans and listeners know, we have the Super Bowl coming. And nobody, nobody's addressed this. Now, not only does the NFL have a lot to lose with the Super Bowl if you can't pack that, sta you know, that stadium up to capacity. And I know we're seven months away, but also what a terrible, terrible thing for Tampa Bay from an economy standpoint this would be if you can't pack, pack the house during January or uh, February. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a very real possibility. I mean, we don't know where we're going to be in February by all means, but, I mean, we're looking at games, you know, during the season without crowds or with very limited crowds, and it's a very high chance that college football won't be played as we know it this year will be played in the spring. So there's a lot of things that will change and a lot of things that will have a big economic impact. This was kind of a bonus Super Bowl that Tampa Bay got, really only because Los Angeles' stadium wasn't ready. So, I mean, you don't want to diminish that. It's a huge thing in terms of economic impact and helping the city. Um, but again, this, this coronavirus has taken a big chunk out of a lot of events all over the country. Um, you know, whether it be losing a college basketball championship and an NCAA tournament, or, you know, I mean, every single baseball city has lost you know, 50 home games in this. So, I mean, there's, there's lots of major economic hit that sporting, you know, teams and franchises and cities have already taken, but yeah, I mean, if the Super Bowl can't be at full capacity, that takes something away. You still get to host the game. You still have the the world watching you um, as the game's played in Tampa, but you want to be able to kind of take that and make the most of it in terms of the economic impact and the, the people coming to town, but again, it, it's a long way off. If we're playing the Super Bowl in February, I'll be happy to think to progress that way. Right. Well, Greg, I, want to, I know you had a very, very busy schedule, and I want to thank you so much for coming on tonight on Frankly Speaking Bucks with us. Hey, no problem. Thanks again for having me. All right, Greg, be safe, okay? <laughs> that was Greg Orman. He covers the Buccaneers for the Athletic. And, you know, some good, good points. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, that the impact the Super Bowl has compared to all these other championship games that are played. You know, you think of the NBA. During a normal season, you know, they play, what, four games at one side, three at another, if it's, a, if it's the best of seven, and it goes seven games. Baseball, the same way. Uh, you know, hockey, the same way. But, um, you know, you got to understand that um, football, people plan to go to the Super Bowl a, a long time in advance. People already have seats. For the Super Bowl in Tampa. Now, they can adjust that just like we're adjusting everything else. But the kind of money economically that the city of Tampa loses with hotels, restaurants, just to name a few things. Amusement parks like what? Great Adventure, if it's open then. Bush Gardens and some of the people that would go to Orlando to see Disney World and all those different things out there, Universal, just a lot, a lot of money that the state of Florida is looking forward to and, you know, 
It's not like any other championship. The Super Bowl, I always said Super Bowl Sunday should be a holiday. I've never been able to convince my workers or anybody else of that, but that's just my belief. Um, Steve has a quick question before we get uh, Dean Jensen on the phone. It's possible for Tampa to get another chance if, you know, the Super Bowl for some reason is deterred without having a lot of fans in it or... Gosh forbid it has to be canceled. Tampa's going to get another chance. Tampa has held plenty of Super Bowls. 1991, I remember, you know, the Giants and the uh, Buffalo Bills when Norwood missed the kick. Who can forget the game uh, not too long ago in Tampa when Santonio Holmes caught the pass for the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Arizona Cardinals. We've had some Super Bowls that have been some great, great Super Bowls. And it's just, you know, it's an unfortunate time, you know, unfortunately people are losing out and, you know, we just got to hope for the best, hopefully by uh, February, you know, maybe they'll have a vaccine, who knows, and we won't even have to talk about COVID-19 anymore, uh, that's the best thing that can happen, but as of now, we got to live with the cards that are presented to us, we can be negative or we can be positive, but at the end of the day, being negative isn't going to change it. So we might as well just go on with life as best we can until this whole situation, you know, solves itself. We get a vaccine and we're able to move on. Now, our next guest is a very special guest. He is the father of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers center, Ryan Jensen. His name is Dean Jensen. Let's go ahead and get Dean on the line with us. I mean, it was, it was tough. I'm like, hey, 
you know, it's, it's probably just part of the game. And, uh, you know, we went through the fifth round, and then he got another call, and it was heading in, heading into the top of the sixth round, and the Jets called him again, and Ryan got upset because they gave him the same message again. And it was just like, hey, look, he called up his agent, who's Mike McCartney, and said, you need to make them stop doing this because if they're not going to draft me, and if this is what they're going to do and get, my, get me all Twitter faded and then say, oh, well, we're not calling because we're picking in this round. Ryan got on the plane to go up to the Colts. You can imagine what the Bucks Nation did. 
He left town without signing. So there was an immediate freak out, and everybody was really upset because there were a lot of people that were pulling to bring Ryan down there. And Ryan called me on the way back uh, on the jet, and he was headed back to Denver. And he said, Dad, he goes, he goes I, I think I'm going to have better success in Tampa. He goes, it's just the system that they run, the type of athlete that I am, um, my size as a center and with the NFC South. He goes, I think, I think I'm going to do well down there. I said, okay, sounds good. Well, he called Mike, and then Ryan texted me back, and he said, Dad, call me now. And usually when Ryan sends a message like that, something's wrong. And so I'm like, oh, crap, I wonder if both of them fell through. Because Kansas City, prior to that, it just died out. Because Ryan wanted a four-year deal, and people were trying to offer him five-year deals, and he didn't want it. Well, anyway, he he goes ahead, and, and I call him up, and I, Ryan, what's going on? And I can hear him breathing. But he's not talking to me, so Ryan, are you all right? I go, what's going on? And he just, he just breaks down and starts bawling. He's dad four years, $42 million, $22 million guaranteed. Uh, about passed out. Right. And Ryan's a kid from a 3A high school in, you know, Eastern Colorado with 1,200, you know, 12,000 people in the entire county. And here he is, you know, going to be the highest paid center in NFL history at that time. So, uh, yeah, I still pinch myself every morning. Hey, <laughs> is this real? <laughs> well, you know, it's deservingly so. He's obviously one of the best interior linemen in all of the NFL. Let me ask you both of Well, I would ask you this. First of all, number one, how excited was Ryan? Then, then the next part of the question is, how excited is, was you when you heard not only Tom Brady was coming to the Buccaneers, but also, you know, Rob Gronkowski. Oh yeah, what a, what a, I don't want to call it a coup, but what a, what an amazing job by the staff to bring those two gentlemen in. When Ryan told me that, I was like, well, I kind of been watching and I kind of seen some things, and I, you know, I follow Greg Allman quite a little bit and a few of the other writers, and I'm kind of keeping a pulse on what was going on and. Ryan and I were talking about it, and Ryan was skeptical. I was skeptical. And then when this thing started coming together, all of a sudden, you know, Tom Brady's coming to Tampa. I'm like, my God. You know, my little red-headed kid that I see in these pictures right here is going to be snapping the football to one of the greatest quarterbacks ever played a game. Absolutely. And that was just like, wow. Then they turn around and grab Robert Krowski. It's just like, they're serious. This, this group, this ownership, they're serious. They're serious about winning a football game and winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, there's no doubt about that, Dean. Uh, they're in a win-now mentality. I think we both know that. Now, let me ask you, as a parent, I know you live in Colorado. He plays in Tampa. How, you know, obviously you get to see him on TV, but how many games do you get to go to throughout the year to watch him play? Um, we, we try to make as many of the home games as we can, and I think we traveled to four away, away games last year. Um, I'm retired, but my, my wife is still working, so sometimes it kind of limits with her limited vacation time, you know, how many games we can we can get to, but we try to get to as many as we can. I like going to the home games the best. The reason for that is just because Ryan is in his hometown. We get to go stay, see our grandchildren and, and his beautiful wife, 
and we get to spend more time with Ryan. When we go see him on the road, we get to see him a little bit before, you know, evening meetings. When we get on Saturday night, we get to see him briefly in the morning, and then we get to see him for about 10 minutes after the game, and then he's gone. Now, you know, I, I like the home games because we get to spend a little more time. Now, I know that you're in a difficult situation, and I know we talked briefly about this. I'm not going to ask you to go into tremendous detail, but you got a little dilemma going on. I know with everything going on in this world right now today, all the injustice that is going on, the protesting, and then, of course, COVID-19 to add on it, you, you really weren't excited about the NFL I mean, you're excited about your son, of course, in playing, but as far as having a season this year, you really have mixed emotions about that, don't you? About having the season? There, there is a little bit. I mean, there's, there's always some pensiveness involved because, you know, the health and safety of my son and, and his family, you know, is paramount to us. And the fact that, you know, my wife and I are, are both pushing 60, and, you know, so we're kind of closer to that age group where, that particular uh, illness could cause us some serious problems. So, you know, there, there's some pensiveness in it, but, um, again, you know, I, I taught my son never to live in fear, and I refuse to live in fear as well. And, you know, you take precautions and do what's necessary to protect yourself. But um, I, I want there to be a season because, you know, whatever that season happens to look like, I want that because I think as a nation, we need it. Yeah. No, I agree. Now, let me ask you this. Um, for those individuals out there, I look at this team and I look at the offensive line. And, you know, they added Tristan Wirfs to go along with your son, Ali Marpet, of course, Alex Kappa and uh, also Donovan Smith. You know, I don't understand. I mean, this is one of the most durable offensive lines. I think they had a statistic uh, at the end of last year where they said your son, Marpet, and Kappa had a 48 possible starts last year. Between them, they started 45 of the games, which is just unheard of when you think a lineman in the NFL. As far as this offensive line goes... I think we got a pretty damn good offensive line. What is your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you. With you. Now, one thing I will tell you is this boy right here never played football. Not a single organized down of football. I was a baseball player. But through the years of watching Ryan and talking with others and paying attention to the game and then watching film, I mean, you watch your son play and then you go up and you watch other games and you have NFL ticket and you go back and look at all the offensive line play, and people, you know, tend to focus in on, well, but we had problems with this, or that wasn't the line's fault, that was Jameson's fault, well, that wasn't the line's fault, that was a missed assignment by the running back, we didn't pick up the blitz break, well, that, that one, you know, that was Ryan's fault because he made a bad call, even though they don't even know what he called, <laughs> you know, potentially, but, and, and, and I can tell you one thing, that offensive line doesn't make any
where's Papa from? I try to remember. I'm not sure where, I'm not sure where he's from. But, um, you know, he was 2A guy. Ryan was a Division II player. You know, the odds of those guys becoming starters and, and a sixth rounder becoming a starter, and a sixth rounder playing eight years in the NFL was be Ryan Day. The reason those guys are there is because they are tough and because they are good. Can they be better? Sure. Now, how frustrating is when you see, like, you watch last year's team, and I don't want to really dwell on last year because I know we have a completely different team this year, but, you know, the offensive line, you have to admit, and they will never admit it, at least in the media, but they get blamed for a lot of crap that's not their fault. Let's say, example, a quarterback that doesn't throw the ball away and then he gets sacked because he holds on for it. It always seems... It's the offensive line's fault. That has to be frustrating for you to hear that. You know, I, I've talked with Ryan about that at length sometimes, and you know what he tells me? He just says, you know what? What I care about is not necessarily what every fan has to think about, whether or not that was my fault or somebody on the line's fault. Because what we care about is when we take that film and dissect it and talk with the coaches, we listen to what the coaches are telling us. Right. And he says, you can't sit there and try to listen to all of that because it, he goes, it will infuriate you. And that's one lesson I've learned personally is if, there's, if the game's not doing so well or players aren't doing so well, it's a really good time to just put the phone down and not pay attention to it because, yeah, I'm a pretty fiery guy too. And, you know, there's been a couple of people that have kind of offended me. But, again, I look at that and go, well, I, I don't necessarily think they really know that much about the game. And the fact that they're just upset because they want their team to do well. They're not really mad, that mad at the guy. They're just mad at the situation and mad at the play. But, hey, the only thing you can do, line back up. You know, line back up and go yeah. to that place. You're going to sit and worry about that. You're going to get smoked again. And let me ask you that, you know, you were right, Dean. Uh, you were talking about your son in a Division II cap, but one of our fans just typed in was from Humboldt State, a Division II school. Right, it was Humboldt. So it just shows you that once you get there, it's, you know, I always say heart will win over ability anyway. I mean, you have to have ability. You wouldn't be there if they didn't think you have the ability. But, you know, then you put the heart involved in it too. And it's just amazing what you can accomplish, just like your son has accomplished in the NFL. So let me ask you this, Dean. Um, before I let you run... What do you look for? I mean, do you think the team can actually compete for a championship this year? I think they can compete for a championship? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, I do. I think they can compete for it. And every team, all 32 of them, all have the same goal at the beginning of the year, or they probably shouldn't be a team, or they need a different coach or a different organization, because that should be the goal for everybody. Is this team capable? If you, if you were to go back, like you said, looking in, in retrospect isn't always the best, but look back at last year. If you take 10 interceptions off of that game, or let's say 12 total turnovers off of our games, and a couple of missed kicks, where are we? Yeah. Where are we? And, and, and now we've added one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL to the team, and one of his favorite go-to targets, who's just a, you know, a physical 
beast out there and had that freaking mentality and they both had that mentality of, of winners, oh yeah. And then you look at the defensive line, they were able to bring those guys back and keep them together. Um, yeah, I would say uh, I would say the Saints are on notice. Yeah, and you know, you were talking about that team last year. Here's a team that was 7-9, and nine. Yeah, and you're right, and you had two games that could have went, and I know we could say if, 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 but the missed field goal versus um, the Giants at the end of the game, and then, of course, the last game before Winston threw that pick six, well, you know, we had Matt Gay miss two field goals and an extra point, so we easily could have been nine and seven, and then you look at the... Uh, upgrades we did all over the place, and this defense, you have to admit, and I know I said that was the last question, but towards the end of this year, this defense was playing at a very high level, and I think with a guy like Brady there now, you know, he's going to also, you know, if they set him up in good field position, he's going to execute, and we're going to see a lot more success this year. Oh, yeah. You've got Godwin, you've got Kowski, you've got Mike Evans. Yep. Howard, what, you know, pick your poison, OJ, pick your poison. You know, which, which way are you going to die out there? That, that offense, they get put in good field position, and this team's point total this year, I think exceeds the yardage total could exceed. I don't know necessarily, I'm saying totally yards total points. Right. But in the defense, if the, if the offense can, can put together those those long scoring guys and profits, keep that stretch, yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Well, listen, Dean, I want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for joining us on Frankly Speaking Bucks. I know you're a constant listener and everything, and we love having you on, you know, to uh, watch our show, but I want to thank you personally for coming on tonight. No problem, Larry, and thanks to Rob. Rob sent me an awesome flag and a sticker. I appreciate that a lot. appreciate listening to you fellas and go Bucks. All right, go Bucks, and hopefully we can speak again during the season, my friend. Sounds good. You guys take care. All right, be safe. That was Dean Jensen, the father of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Center. Uh, Ryan Jensen, what a great, great, great guy. You got to listen to some perspective. I want to thank you all for uh, chiming in there on the comment section. I actually have a black screen in front of me. So while you guys have the pleasure of looking at my beautiful face, I don't have to look at it right now. But I'm going to just continue as if you guys can all see me. Um, you know, I was always told, fake it till you make it. So we're going to go ahead and continue. We got about eight minutes left in the show right now. And, you know, Steve, I saw you did a comment. I want to thank Steve. Um, you know, one of my surprise teams this year, and I told people this at the beginning of the year, and I'm not a fan, necessarily a fan of them, but I think one of the most underlooked teams this year is in the NFC, and it could be the New York Giants. The New York Giants have an explosive offense. You put another year under Daniel Jones there at quarterback. We got to see him last year when he played the Bucks. here. Had a terrific game. Just a great young, young talent um, in Daniel Jones. Then you got Barkley in that backfield and a couple good receivers. Um, 
you know, that, 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 that's another good team. But I think one of the things, and we talked about this, and I wanted to dedicate some of this show to that offensive line of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have a terrific offensive line. I think, by far, it is one of the most underrated offensive lines in the NFL. You know, we talked to Dean a little bit about it. We talked to Greg about it earlier. I mean, when you talk about those front three interior guys, they're incredible, they're durable, and you know game in and game out that they're going to be there for your quarterback. And what a confidence builder. Not that Brady needs any more confidence than he already has, but just an incredible, incredible, incredible durability in that line. And I think that Tristan Wirfs is going to be a beast on that exterior. He's going to take over um, for DeMar Dotson. There's no doubt about that. And then you're going to have Donovan Smith on the other end. So the key piece here is going to be how well Donovan Smith plays, and when you put it, you know, it's amazing, because now when you have other guys on that line that can play well, that's going to give a lot more opportunity for Smith not to have stunts done against him, not to be, uh, you know, two guys coming at him at once, so, you know, don't be surprised if Donovan Smith has a terrific year protecting Tom Brady this year. I think he will, but more importantly, you, you know Jensen's there, uh, you know Pet's there, and you know Cap is there. So as long as Wirfs and uh, Smith stay healthy, this is going to be a very special year in Tampa Bay. And I said this on last week's show, and I'm going to keep saying it because I want you folks to hear me when I say this. Your bust-out player this year is going to be Ronald Jones. There is no if, ands, or buts about it. Many quarterbacks that played with the New England Patriots, maybe except for Corey Dillon, weren't really high-profile running backs before they played with Brady, and then they had bust-out years because there's a big difference when they know you're not going to pass the ball. There's a big difference when they know you can pass the ball, run the ball, and not sure which way you're going to go from one end to the other end. And last year, how many times did we fall behind early in the game, quickly with a pick six, losing 7 nothing, and you have to stop throwing the ball already? Now you mix it up, you throw passes, you can throw it of the backfield, you got Deshaun Vaughn who can catch the ball, you got, uh, what, a Tyler Johnson who can, um, who can, and the red zone is just incredible. It's going to be a great, great year. And you got to remember something about Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski, everybody thinks about him catching the ball, and I call him, he would make, the frankly speaking Bucks animalistic beast Hall of Fame. He's an animalistic beast. By the way, that's hilarism. And he would make that because he can block. He is one of the, he is like an additional offensive lineman with the way he blocks. And not only that, he's going to be able to tutor O.J. Howard in how to use that body more effectively and block for these runners. It's just going to be 
You know, when it comes in, it's like an artist. You start drawing a picture, and you wonder what the picture's going to be. But by the time the picture is done, it's a beautiful piece of work. And that's what you're going to see. And if you haven't seen, this guy Tristan works. His leg strength is unbelievable. Everybody by now has seen, whether it's been on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, him jumping out of the pool. I mean... You know, just incredible, incredible, incredible. So just an incredible guy. We got about three minutes left in our show. Um, been a terrific show. I uh, want to remind you all um, that this Sunday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, my good buddy, Coach Marvin Bell, does his own show. That's right, right here on Crew Life. It's Bucks Talk with Coach Bell. What a name. Okay, and it's 7 p.m. Eastern Time. He does a lot of great stuff. It's such a great, great interactive show. Uh, listeners get involved. He does X's and O's, breaks down this, breaks down that. Just a great, great show. You all definitely need to tune in. Then again, I'm not announcing yet, but we got a couple people lined up already um, that are interested in coming in on next week's Frankly speaking, Bucks show, as soon as we um, ink them in, we will let you know. Also remind all of you that are on the um, Crew Life platform right now, tomorrow and Friday night, Frankly speaking, sports will be back on that platform, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You're more than welcome to join us there as well um, and listen to our shows on both those nights. Um, other than that, I uh, want to thank all our listeners and remind you that if you need to or want to rewatch this show, we download it to YouTube. We have a YouTube channel, Frankly Speaking Sports. We also will put it on Twitter as well as uh, it could be replayed on Crew Life. So a lot of different platforms, a lot of different ways to listen to this show. We want to thank our special guests tonight. We had two of them, and I really hope you guys really, really enjoyed this show. We went with two interviews tonight. We went with Greg Allman. We want to thank him, uh, personally thank him for coming on. Uh, he covers the Bucks, and he works for the Athletic. If you're a Bucks fan, everybody knows who Greg Allman is. And then again, I can't thank enough Dean Jensen um, for coming on. And being a special guest tonight as well. Hope everybody enjoyed the show. Do me a favor. Be safe. Take care of yourself. And we'll see you next Wednesday night. 9 p.m. Eastern Time. On Frankly Speaking Bucks on Crew Life. Good night.